You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, we are in the month of August, and Coast Guard has come and gone, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Whether you like it or you're not, uh, it always comes and goes, and, uh, and uh, I most of, the, most of the time like it. But, uh, but last week, uh, in the month of August, we launched a new series on the topic of humility. And last week, I kind of unpacked why humility in this time frame. It's the word of the, uh, that the Lord kind of dropped in my heart for us as a congregation, and really even for me personally. Uh, and it's something that we can have focus on and create some goals and so we can be sharp in the regards to humility in our lives. And I thought when I was looking at the calendar and saying, it's about time that we take some serious looks at what it means to be humble. And last week in our introduction uh, to the series, it kind of boiled down to this, that humility is an attitude of spiritual modesty. And when you think of that, spiritual modesty, it's not taking our desires or our successes or even our failures too seriously. Spiritual modesty is understanding our strengths and our weaknesses. And we asked ourselves last week, what does the Lord require of us? Have you ever wondered that? Like, God, all right, I want to get back on track, or maybe I've kind of slipped off, or I've struggled a bit, or I've missed the mark. What do you want from me, Lord? Well, Jesus, you know, he answers that through his scripture in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, what does the Lord require of you? He says, to do justice and to love kindness And then let's say this together, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly with your God. And I promise you that humility can become our greatest friend. It can become a superpower when we understand it and we start to walk in the ways of humility. And last week, our focus was really on the benefits of humility, and we talked about a lot of different uh, benefits, and we talked about coping with criticism, right? Uh, no one likes to be criticized, but when you understand your strengths and your weaknesses, criticism can just roll off our back, and, it, and it's not as potent, right? When, we, when we're humble, we can be more patient with others. We'll have more influence with others. We will stay grounded when we're more humble. And I introduced a concept that we are going to take a whole Sunday on, it, the idea that we're living in the moment and we have nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, nothing to prove. And we'll, we'll unpack that in a couple weeks. But the idea that in our relationships, we can do that. And lastly, we said that humble people, right, report higher mental and physical well-being in their lives. So it's a big deal for us, un- for us to understand the benefits of humility. Well, today, if humility is here, we're going to talk about the reverse of that, the anti-humility, uh, and that is pride. And pride is humility's greatest enemy. That's the truth. And I want to pause here for a second. When was the last time you heard a message about humility? I mean, other than last week, right? And really, how, when's the last time you heard a message about pride? I, I can't think of one. I'm not sure I've ever preached on the subject of pride. Although throughout history, the church history, pride has been recognized as the deadliest of vices. 
Yet, in our culture, it's almost celebrated as a virtue, isn't it? Pride and arrogance are linked with the rich and the famous and celebrities and politicians and even some church leaders, right? And pride is alive and well, not only in those in the bigger areas, but behind the scenes in ordinary people's lives as well, including you and in me. And there's a big problem, though. There are too few of us that realize how dangerous pride is to our souls and how greatly it hinders our intimacy with God, and not only our intimacy with God, but our, our ability to relate with others. We talk about at the Gateway Church that we're connecting with God, with each other, with the world. Listen, pride will keep us from doing any of those three. It's that important. And there's two problems with the message on pride today that have kind of been uh, realized this week as I've been studying, and it's going to be a little frustrating and maybe a little annoying. Let me try to explain. Because I was thinking about those that need to hear a message about pride, uh, what's the problem, right? They're proud, right? <laughs> they're probably proud. And if they're proud, then they are not probably going to listen. If they're proud and they're listening online, they're going to skip to another message or they're going to skip to uh, something else on Facebook, right? Or if you're here and you're proud, it, we're talking about pride, you're probably dismissing me already and tuned out. And I really have been praying, saying, okay, God, if that's the case, we need breakthrough here at the Gateway Church in to, to speak into the season. And I've got a challenge for us this morning that might take you back just for a second, but hang with me. Would you be open to the possibility this morning, and then as we move into the afternoon here it's shortly, to come at this message believing about yourself that you are proud, number one. In fact, let's take it a step further. I want you to believe that you are the most arrogant person in the room. Now, for some of you, that might not be that hard, right? You're, you're already with me. And then they'll take it even one more step. I want you to come at this message as if you need this message more than anyone else in this room. And I think if we come with that approach, the Lord's going to speak to us. He's going to help us. And I know it's a little radical. Well, there's a second problem, and it's kind of related to the first problem, that those that are proud may not uh, listen. They might tune us off or, or tune out. But it, this, this second problem comes straight from Scripture. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 5, it says this, Everyone who is arrogant in heart or prideful is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Wow. I want you to leave that verse up there for a second. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination. Wow. When I read that, the problem is that if not all of us, there are many of us that do not believe that this verse in the Bible is true. Because pride is so prevalent, prevalent, I'm sorry, and accepted. If you don't believe me, I want to give you an example. Last week, in my introduction, I mentioned that we talk about pride for one of the weeks, which is today. And I mentioned that I have struggled with pride, with ego, most of my life. 
And when I said that last week, that I do struggle, and that was the truth, you heard me say that, or you maybe you're watching online, you heard me say that, and you probably dismissed it. I was thinking about it. I probably dismissed it. You say, oh, I'm prideful, or I've got ego issues, and then we just dismiss it. Now, what if I would have said last week publicly that I have been skimming off the top of every offering that's been given to the Gateway Church during COVID? There would probably be a problem, wouldn't there? You wouldn't dismiss that, would you? You wouldn't just sit by and say, well, that's okay. He probably needs it, right? No, you would think I've lost it, that I'm out of my mind. And certainly you'd call the church leaders and say, hey, we need some accounting. I want to make sure that we get that money back. Our bookkeeper for sure, right? Absolutely. But why is it that one response to ego and pride may be dismissed, but another one of embezzling, which, by the way, is not true, uh, but, uh, but is, is, is not met with the same response. Because God's Word says that pride, ego, arrogance in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. It's detestable to Him. He hates it. So again, what's the challenge for today? The challenge is that we're praying for breakthrough in our lives. That this message would really sink in. And so I want you to come at this message saying, okay, I am proud. In fact, I'm the most arrogant in the room, and I need this more than anyone who's with me. Can you have that perspective? All right, about half of you. That's, that's better than first service. All right, good. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Last week, we mentioned the C.S. Lewis quote about humility, right? That humility is thinking less of yourself. It's in you're not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Now, how many have ever heard that C.S. Lewis quote? It's like super popular. It's, it's you know, a staple. Well, C.S. Lewis, he did say that. He, he wrote about this, certainly about humility. But he's also known about the, uh, the, uh, what he says about pride is that pride is the great sin. He said it's the great sin of all. And then the classic, Mere Christianity, which is a fantastic book, I'd recommend it. There's a whole chapter on the idea of pride. And in that, he says that pride is the essential vice. It's the utmost evil. Uh, that's what pride is. And then he goes on to say, unchastity, which is an old-time term for uh, sexual promise and things like that, um, but unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison. And so he's saying, look, all these things that you might struggle with and, and that uh, may be common issues of sin in your life, he says, pride trumps them all. Now, I don't think that really, I think all sin is weighted equal in the sight of God. We're going to uh, have a judgment of that. But there is certainly this idea that pride is evil. Pride is not found in just the rich and famous or in powerful people. It affects every single one of us. So let's dive in and ask ourselves, what is pride? Pride. We already know that pride provokes God's displeasure. It's detestable. It's an abomination to him. I've heard it said that pride is considered a spiritual cancer, that it eats us up 
uh, the, every part of us. The, it eats the parts of us that, are, uh, that have the possibility to love someone else or to be content in a circumstance or even to have common sense. In the same book, in Mere Christianity, in that same chapter, C.S. Lewis continues, he says, it's pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and in every family since the beginning of the world. What is pride? It's selfishness at its best. That's at the root of pride. It's thinking of oneself excessively. It's ego. Pride can be seen in bragging about being materialistic or even not being materialistic. You say, what do you mean? Well, you can, you can brag about you, what you have or you can say, well, I don't have those things because I'm more godly. And that can be pride as well. Pride can be seen in false humility. The, the idea that you cannot accept a compliment if you're doing something for the Lord, let's say you're serving in some way and, and, and God is really using you maybe with a great illustration in kids' church and, uh, and someone says, man, that illustration was off the chart. That was incredible. And you say, oh, it was just God, right? Well, false humility can be seen, or pride, it can be seen in false humility. Or, I love this, and I see this sometimes, if in, in false humility, you put it together yourself, and you put a lot of time in the way you look, or whatever, and you know you're looking good, right? And someone says, man, you look good today. And you're like, oh, this old thing, or like, I got this at the thrift store, right? Or, or you know, I only paid $3. Listen, it, it, pride is sneaky. False humility is a big one. How about feeling morally superior, seeing someone else's sin and rolling your eyes, right? You say, hmm, I, yeah, I'm glad I don't deal with that. Listen, I grew up feeling like I was better than other people. And it certainly wasn't the fault of my parents. It's part of my sin nature. But I, I grew up, and I used to go around, and I'd say, don't you know who I am? This is the truth Jessica can verify. I would say, don't you know who I am? I'm Ben Vey. It was pride. It was ego. And I just, I thought I was better than others. How about pride when you despise sinners? Pride can be seen in a lot of different ways talking about how much you pray or how much you're fasting or how much you're giving. Pride can be seen in those things. How about this? When you say or you hear someone say, in my humble opinion, dot, 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 how many know that pride is probably right around the corner? Pride is seen everywhere when we're unteachable, when we're highly opinionated, when we're defensive, when we're being corrected or criticized. When we're argumentative, there's pride. And when we're critical of others, and there's a great example in Scripture, uh, in Luke chapter 18, of what I would call spiritual pride. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, uh, there's a story here of two different individuals going to the temple, going to church, uh, looking to pray and asking for forgiveness of God. On one side is a Pharisee, and on the other side is a tax collector. And they're both headed to the same church at the same time to, to find forgiveness from the Lord. Well, on the Pharisee side, the Pharisee, when he prays, he stands up, is boastful, right? And, and, and he is respected. Certainly, he would have been like a pastor type. And he's thinking, I'm a good guy. In fact, in 
the scripture, in the text, it says, he says this publicly, I thank God I'm better than everyone else. Can you even imagine what that would be like to hear someone pray like that? But that's what the story says. And before you think, okay, well, I'm not a Pharisee, let me just say that there's probably a little Pharisee in every single one of us. So there's the Pharisee, and then there's on the other side in Luke 18, is the tax collector who comes and doesn't even, hardly, hardly makes it into the temple. He's thinking, man, I am corrupt. I am a bad guy. He would not even look to heaven when he prayed, so he's got his head down in his knees or on the floor. It says in the text, he beats his chest and says, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And you think about that story and you look at it. And what's the example? What is the, what's the takeaway? Well, it's a parable, so it's teaching us something. The, the parable at the end, Jesus asks the question, well, who went away justified? It wasn't the Pharisee. It was the tax collector. He went away forgiven. Now, it's the epitome of pride for the Pharisee to stand and say, man, look at me. I'm glad I'm not like the rest. But I relate. And when it comes to pride, I've realized that it is a universal problem. It's a universal problem. And it's a problem we have to face and we have to wrestle with. But there's good news you say, what are you talking about? Well, we serve an amazing God, don't we? Amen, right? And when we've been prideful, God doesn't look to punish us and bring us low. Instead, what God does, he looks to forgive us and to restore us and to exalt us. He encourages us with scriptures like James 4.10, which is repeated over and over in the New Testament, that says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. It's humility, coming before the Lord in a humble manner, that the Lord will not only forgive, he will restore, and he will exalt us. And so the solution to pride is the inverse, humility. Now, this is a series about humility. And let's just remember, there are so many benefits, right? I already mentioned that, that it can be our greatest friend. It can be a superpower. Well, it also, humility increases our hunger for God's word, to be in his presence. Humility opens our heart to the spirit of God, excuse me. Humility leads us to intimacy with God and ultimately, humility is a sign of greatness in the kingdom of God. And, and that's what we want to focus on. And so I want to wrap up with two quick takeaways, and then we're going to worship a little and uh, draw close to the Lord. Because how many know sin or pride is a sin, and it's something we have to deal with, and we really need to take it to the Lord and say, God, I need your help. And so the first takeaway is this. If we are full of ourselves there's no room for God, right? Let's read it. So if I am full of myself, there's no room for God. And that is so true and so hard to get our mind around because we often will see pride in others first. 
But don't forget that Jessica, I mean, Jesus, total slip, I'm losing it, that Jesus, not Jessica, my wife, uh, that Jesus said, uh, don't worry about the speck in your brother or sister's eye while you've got a big plank in your own eye, right? And so what we got to understand is that we, we have to uh, say, Lord, reveal where I'm prideful in my own life. Or you could ask Jessica. She could probably help you too. Uh, she's pretty good at that. But anyway, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It's not on the slides. You can write it down. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It says, therefore, let no one think he stands firm, right? And in the Amplified, it adds, immune to temptation, being overconfident or self-righteous or being prideful. Instead, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. The idea is that we need to be full of God instead. If we're full of ourselves, me, 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 there's no room for God. Now you say, well, what about when we boast? Well, we boast in the Lord. We talked about that last week. We'll talk about that again. The second uh, takeaway is not only am I, when we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God, but if I empty myself, say, God, it's not about me, then God can use me. This is a powerful idea. Not only does God forgive us when we empty ourselves and say, Lord, you know, come in and work when there's humility there, but I want you to just run uh, a few, your life through a few different filters that I think will be important for us this week in particular. I want you to start with your own family. And uh, whatever your fi family dynamics are, whether you live with others or even if you're single, it's fine. Uh, but think about those that are closest to you in your life. What do our families need? I'll tell you what they don't need. They don't need someone that's full of pride. Instead, I believe that they need someone that is full of humility. And so husbands and wives to be humble. As we raise our kids, there needs to be a measure of humility. If, with our grandmas and grandpas and cousins and aunts and different things, there needs to be a level of humility, and we need to empty ourselves because how many know that in our relationships, those that are closest to us, God can use us? I believe it. I believe that God not only can, He wants to use us. And if that's the case, we need to humble ourselves and look for opportunities for that. How about in your workplace? Or maybe not, not in your work, but maybe where you hang out, uh, maybe at the club or at the gym or whatever the case might be. Where you work, what kind of person is needed for those that you're going to rub shoulders with this week? Again, the world does not need a self-professed Christian full of pride. Instead, what I believe your workplace needs or the places where you go, they need a place that is, or they need a person that's full of humility. And you can be that person. You say, well, why is that? Well, I believe where you go, when you walk out of these doors, you are entering the mission field. And when you enter your workplace this week, you have an opportunity for God to use you. 
and the likelihood of God being able to use you depends on your humility, saying, God, I want to empty myself so you can be used in my life. How about your neighbors? How about this week? Uh, whatever night you're out and uh, hanging out with your neighbors, rubbing shoulders, or maybe on a Sunday afternoon, your neighbors need someone that's hum- uh, full of humility. And I would even say, what about here at the Gateway Church? What do we need, uh, not only for each other, but th- the idea to reach one more? What does our church need? Our church needs a church full of people that love Jesus and that are humble, pure in intention, so kind, so quick to be Jesus to others, to be so generous, right? And it cannot be me, me, me. We need to be the other-centric, and we need to do that because of what Micah 6, 8 says. What does the Lord require? He requires for us to do justice and to love kindness and then to walk humbly with our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and I've got just a couple quick thoughts, and then we're going to worship and end with a song that's super meaningful, especially this week uh, for us. And I'll explain that in a second. As we talk about humility and pride, Pride will keep you from humbling yourself before the Lord in regards to salvation. Without humility, we would never repent of our sin. We would never turn to God. Does that make sense? You got to humble yourself and say, Lord, like the tax collector, Lord, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And the truth is, that pride, it hurts our intimacy with God and our intimacy with others, our ability to work with others. So this is really important. And I want to just kind of talk about two things. The first is salvation. If you're here this morning or if you're online and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, the Lord, he has provided a way for you to accept him and for your sins to be forgiven. It's incredible. It's the best gift that we could ever offer. And God offers it for free. All we have to do is receive it. But it does take us humbling and saying, okay, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Last week, we had people come to the Lord, come back to the Lord. This morning, first service, a young lady right to my left gave her heart to Jesus. It was cool that I was talking with someone in between service. I was introduced to a guy, first time here at the Gateway Church. Well, 25 years ago, a friend of his who goes to our church had told him about Jesus. I hear the story in between service, says today. And he's at the end of his rope, and he looked him up on Google, put his name in Google, literally, found out where he worked and showed up at his work and said, I need some help. And the guy from our church led him to the Lord right there at his office, spent about an hour with him during the work week. And he was at church today and he humbled himself and he's saying, Lord, have mercy. And I'm curious this morning, in just a second, I'm going to ask if you are here or if you're online and say, man, I need salvation. I need to get my life right with God. Don't be filled with pride. Humble yourself and come to Jesus. 
and it'll be the best decision that you'll ever make. The second part of our, the next thing will be to look at our own life. How close is your relationship with the Lord? What is the intimacy like with God and with others? And is pride an issue in your life? Unfortunately, like it is in mine. The song we're about to sing after we pray, and I lead you in a couple prayers, is Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And it's going to be a perfect fit to close today. It's a song of humility, saying, God, I can't do this on my own. And this morning, without further ado, I'm going to ask that you close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm just curious. In a private moment between you and the Lord, in my eyes, so I can follow up with you, so we can follow up with you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, and you're ready to surrender, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Anyone at all? Yes. See the hand in the back? Thank you. Who else? If you're online, I encourage you just to type in, I need Jesus, and we will follow up with you this week. Anyone else? I saw one hand in the back. Anyone else? The Lord's drawing you in today. For the sake of the one, would you just repeat a prayer after me? And you can pray online. You can pray here as well. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. I'm sorry for the pride in my life that has kept me from you. And today I give my life to you. I surrender. I believe that you died on the cross for me and you rose from the grave. And today I put my faith in you. Help me to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head continue to be bowed and eyes closed, again, just a moment between you and the Lord. And I'll keep my eyes open so I know how to pray. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, if I'm honest, I need help with pride in my own life. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you as well. Yeah. Lots of hands. Yeah. Who else? Same thing online. Make yourself known. We'll pray with you. Father, I just pray that in these next few moments, Lord, we can humble ourselves, draw close to you, Lord, do a deep work in us in this season. Lord, I believe that you called us in this season to, to talk about these things. And God, this morning, we end our service by declaring together, Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship the Lord? And let's just really press in what God has for us at this moment. And it's on that declaration I want to challenge every single one of us. What's the nugget that you want to take with you this week in regards to pride? Where is it in your life that uh, pride creeps in? And don't think that even just a small amount won't get a stronghold in your life. We have to be careful. It's tricky. It's significant when we aren't aware. Is it at your family level, in the four walls of your house? Is there pride there? 
We need parents that are humble. We need kids that are humble, spouses that are humble. Is it in your workplace this week that there needs to be some humility and maybe you've had a chip on your shoulder in some way? Maybe it's in the community, wherever you go. Listen, when we walk out of these doors, please know that we're entering a mission field. And again, to reach one more, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord, and then he will exalt us. And even think, even here at the church, where do we need humility? Lord, speak to our hearts. What's the one nugget that you can take this week and really dive into? I encourage you to write something down, maybe journal about it. Write yourself a note. Keep it on the forefront of your mind this week. And I believe that the Lord, he's going to prompt things along the way. He's been doing it to me all week long, uh, and really for the last couple weeks as we've talked about humility. And we will continue to do so. There's a lot to uncover. The Lord is with us when we deal with one layer at a time. It's like peeling back those layers of an onion, right? Well, Lord, he's going to help us. Next week, we're going to talk about knowledge versus love and what that looks like. And I want you to be here and bring someone with you. And we're just a couple weeks away from our 20th anniversary celebration Sunday, along with the end of the summer bash, and uh, be inviting people. And uh, sign up to serve. We love that. Thanks. Lord, I just pray that you now seal these moments. Lord, help us to take the nuggets you want us to wrestle with and help them, Lord, to make a difference this week. Lord, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. Give us a great week. Bring us back together to worship next week. We look forward to it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. We love you this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.